February is Black History Month, but here at KEXP, we are celebrating what we are calling Black History is Now. Instead of relying on history and the music of legacy acts like those involved with Motown or the golden age of hip-hop, we are celebrating the artists who are making music and art today. KEXP's web team got together and each wrote an essay on Black artists they are gravitating to today. They wrote about it in KEXP's recent In Our Headphones column. You can see it on kexp.org. Here's that article in radio form. I'm Tia Ho, and I manage KEXP's social media channels. The hallmark purveyors of electronic dance music today have a few things in common. First, they're masterful collage artists who paint with a potent blend of sound and emotion that's arguably more intoxicating than acrylic. Second, they're mostly white and male. EDM doesn't just have its roots in black history, it was a genre created to backtrack a safe and inclusive space for black and brown people. The dance floor was a sacred space, quote, for people who have fallen from grace. That's what the godfather of house music, Frankie Knuckles, said. He mixed disco, soul, rock, and rarities into an infectious and transcendent stream of musical consciousness at Chicago's warehouse. Not long after, Juan Atkins, Derek May, and Kevin Saunderson carried the history forward with their development of techno in Detroit as the Belleville Three. In addition to being subversive protest music, electronic as we know it today was at its inception crafted to cherish, nurture, and protect blackness. Across the web of time, slick with appropriation and big label co-opting of subcultural custom, electronic dance music has been whitewashed to the point where you make mental notes of rare artists of color on major festival lineups. The world of anthemic, festival-ready EDM is particularly white and male, which is why Tasha stands out. The self-taught producer dropped Flowers late last year, an EP that sounds familiar at first listen, until you realize that you haven't heard this tight, resonant, emotionally charged electronic before. Sister sets the tone for the four-track EP, establishing atmosphere of a twinkling piano and buoyant strings. Over the four and a half minutes, Tasha proves herself a master of voice to create texture, body, and catharsis. At times, she manipulates high-pitched vocals into wistful apparitions that reflect light as they dance into the song. In other moments, she invites deeper vocals to blossom over the beat, perfectly balancing the track's brighter elements. The effect, a chasm, both sonic and emotional, in which her own crystalline voice echoes through the divide, singing words of hope and reunion. The chasm she carves with the vibe-setting sister is the space in which the remaining three tracks shine. Tasha kicks up the urgency with Renegade. Guitar and synths root the track in a dynamic groove while vocalist Elle Murphy searches through the dizzying and dazzling instrumentation for the sweetest sound. Gabrielle Applin joins Tasha on Change, where sharp pitch pivots and more subtle vocal manipulations perfectly complement the Acid Doubt synths for a brilliantly paced, unassertive track. On Denba, Malian Group Trio Dakali's commanding chants are complemented by a booming housebeat. 
The centerpiece of the final song is the griot group's vocals, and Tasha brings West African oral history to the fore in a celebratory close of the EP. In an all-too-fleeting 16 minutes, Tasha breezes through a myriad of electronic subgenres with seamless togetherness and a mark of bold personality and style. The airtight EP channels the multifaceted euphoria of festivals, and with it, Tasha reclaims a musical birthright within a whitewash lineage. There are few highs that match losing your body in a fit of pure expression to music, especially music designed to command your heart rate. And few can understand the value of corporeal freedom more than black Americans. It's not surprising that electronic dance music was created from and for the collective trauma endured by black communities. Tasha revitalizes that history simply by creating the music she does. Her exultant bangers are primed for main stage, and it's only a matter of time before she takes the mainstream festival circuit. Until then, her music is an invitation to dance freely and uninhibited, regardless of your makeup and melanin. I'm Dusty Henry, and I'm KEXP's Digital Content Manager. After the heartbreaking news of MF Doom's death, my thoughts quickly turned to Madlib. I assume this was the case for others as well. Madlib and the Metal Face villain became synonymous with one another after their masterful collaboration, Mad Villainy, in 2004. But more than that, both artists, alongside Jay Dilla, made up an unofficial holy trinity of producers who defined underground hip-hop as we know it and pushed sonic and creative boundaries. Now, Madlib is the last man standing. Madlib has collaborated with many artists over the years, but his latest album, Sound Ancestors, finds him digging into his legendary record collection and gleefully indulging his whims and instincts. Lead single, Road to the Lonely Ones, matches up two songs from the 1960s Philadelphia group, The Ethics, reinvigorated by an impeccable drum loop. Dirt Knock flips a track from Welsh post-punk band Young Marble Giants and turns it into a dank and brooding hip-hop groove. The way Madlib works got me thinking. Is Madlib actually a solo artist? I promise this isn't just a hot take. And it's not just because he works with other collaborators or that he crosses over his many monikers. The records he samples feel like his collaborators. He doesn't need to talk directly with the artist he samples to get to the emotional or spiritual root of a song. Madlib has a way of communing with the music on wax that is unparalleled outside of maybe Dilla and Doom. He doesn't just listen to the music he's sampling, he understands it and sees the potential of what else it could become. It's not too dissimilar to a bandmate coming to practice with a loose idea of a new riff and the band building it out into something transcendent. All of this makes me consider the notion of eternal life. Beyond heavenly realms or greener pastures, what happens in this physical world after our spirit leaves? 
Dilla and Doom are no longer with us, but in some ways, it doesn't feel like they're gone. I can put on one of their records and hear their voices and feel their presence in the beats. Even music we've heard hundreds of times can reveal something new. A sample you never noticed, or maybe a feeling evoked that you hadn't felt before. And that, to me, is the spirit of Sound Ancestors, and Madlib's work at large. He isn't just sampling, he's conversing with the records on tape. He's finding new ways to keep this music alive, however obscure or not. Dead or alive, the artist's work carries on and finds new ears in new ways. A sort of musical reincarnation that Madlib specializes in. I know that Madlib won't be here forever. You and I won't be either. But whenever that day comes, we've all left some sort of impact that will have ripple effects. Few of us ever get to see those ripples for ourselves. It's a blessing to have Madlib with us to see his own influence imparted, and to also continue digging and revealing the glorious works by artists some of us might have missed. Now is as good as time as any to celebrate Madlib, throw on sound ancestors, and hear the past reflected through Madlib's presence. Hi, I'm Isabel Khalili, and I'm a podcast producer at KEXP. One of the many things I've been missing this quarantine winter is wandering through museums, living under modern capitalism where even our attention is commodified. It's refreshing to be in a space devoted to the slow and deliberate process of creation and observation. I find a similar sense of sanctuary listening to Duval Timothy's 2020 release, Help. The album's color palette is varied and unexpected, including gradients of warped recordings, splashes of found sounds and watery guitars, and the anchoring warm tones of acoustic piano. At times while listening, I get the feeling I've wandered into that room in the museum with an abstract video installation on loop. Maybe at one point I even tilt my head and wonder if I'm getting it. Like spending an afternoon in a museum, the joy of this music is in the exploration. It comes as no surprise that Timothy finds outlets in more than just music, with his artistic practices including photography, textiles, painting, and sculpture. He displays some of these around help. Weaved throughout his body of work and central to his vision is the concept of color, especially as it relates to identity. Duval Timothy is of mixed heritage and splits his time between London, the UK, and Freetown, Sierra Leone. His work, as an extension of his experience, breaks open the complexities of diasporic identity. The title of his 2018 album, Two Sim, references slang for a mixed person who has a SIM card for each country. His 2017 album, Sen Am, sampled WhatsApp voice notes from friends and family in Sierra Leone. Well, good day, sir. How are you? I hope you're fine and your family. This is Emma Sim speaking to you. Long time. How is everything? Mr. Casimo is by my side. Listening what I'm saying to you. Duval, everybody miss you. I hope you miss us too again. 
On help, we're given more space to find meaning through abstraction. Slave, featuring Twin Shadow, loops, filters, and manipulates the word slave until its significance is questioned and ultimately broadened. They don't have to call you um, the N-word to be racist, you know, or to... It's a much deeper conversation, right? Like, everybody should own their masters. If major labels want to do deals with artists to, to partner with them, great, partner with me, but don't own me. A clip of Pharrell Williams lamenting the music industry's exploitation of black artists in contractual terms that barely try to hide it leads to the final climax of blurred repetition. The next track, TDAGB, features Timothy's sister saying, Things don't always get better. It's not just a matter of time until everything works out. Everything works out. Always. I'm sure it is sometimes, but... I hear this as a call to action, that unless disrupted, these systems that exploit and oppress will continue to do so. But that's one interpretation. Meditations like his song, Look where Timothy samples the painter Ellsworth Kelly, quoting photographer Diane Arbus, a very meta moment, we're told that if you investigate enough, everything becomes abstract. Starting from that place of abstraction gives us room to draw our own conclusions. Uh, I think that Diane Arbus once said, if you investigate enough, everything becomes abstract. And I, I like that, so I... Hi, this is Janice Headley, digital content producer at KEXP. It's been a long time since a song made me literally stop in my tracks, but that's just what happened the other night when my boyfriend Joe played the song Umdali by Sibosili Zaba on his radio show. Not once, but twice, because it's just that captivating. Once I found out where to find it, I've played it maybe a hundred times more. I'm not going to front like I know anything about South African music, but here's what I learned about guitarist Sibusili Zaba. He hails from the KwaZulu Natal Midlands, and with his music, he aims to uphold the traditions of Maskandi and Ubakanga, which are two Zulu music genres. He doesn't consider himself a performer, but a diviner, using music to heal. On this song, he's joined by collaborators Fakasili Kosi and Naftali on vocals, and producer Ash Kay, who are all also members of the Pretoria-based artist collective called Capital Arts Revolution, whose aim is to rejuvenate artists through the teaching ideology of love and self-emancipation. Umdali showcases Zaba's intricate finger-picking on acoustic guitar, sounding somewhat reminiscent of an Elliott Smith song with its hypnotic, melancholy tone. In a bizarrely harmonious contrast, Ash K. layers futuristic, stereo-lavish sound effects in the background. What sounds like droning synthesizers mixed with haunting wind noises and bird calls. 
Both Kosi and Naftali contribute warm, expressive vocals to their parts, and while I have no idea what they're saying, it's absolutely gorgeous and somehow comforting. The song can be found on the album Indaba Is, a compilation just released by London-based label Brownswood Recording, spotlighting current South African improvised music. Google tells me the word Indaba apparently means an important conference held by men of the Zulu peoples. And while I'm not crazy about the meeting being held by just men, it does make a fitting title for this collection. A gathering of artists reflecting an array of musical influences that have migrated to the area. Blues, gospel, classical, pop, and more. The whole collection is great, but Ondali is a standout for me. The song I keep clicking the back button on. My name is Martin Douglas, and these are my musings on Navy Blue's newest album, Song of Sage, Post-Panic. Navy Blue's personal, emotional screeds, full of gorgeously written allusions to depression and ancestral weight, reminds me a great deal of the kind of writing I was doing on Tumblr a decade ago. Screaming, yelling, punching myself, I'm in a panic. Zero to 100, my hell is like a magnet. Pull me and retract this battery up in my back, out of juice. I hadn't found this side of me until my late 20s, an advanced age compared to Navy and his peers, Earl Sweatshirt, Mike, and Mavi, but years prior to the strain of rap finding a widespread fan base. Childhood trauma made me a late bloomer in many respects, but that weird microblogging platform was the blossom for me. Though during those times, I still carried said trauma I hadn't yet processed on the back burner, though I was still running away from my past in a way that would reach its climax, or its nadir, during a suicidal summer when I was 29, I found myself feeling nostalgic about Tumblr the other day, because while my depression, anxiety, and PTSD would remain unchecked, I had the time of my life on the platform. My soaring confidence, creative ambitions, and belief in my intellect flourished in a community of like-minded weirdos. Among other talents, like my gift for flirting and emotional connection, which turned me into a Tumblr heartthrob of sorts, I found my creative awakening there, writing impressionistic, stream-of-consciousness memoirs in miniature, a way to finally heal from the terror of my childhood, but also my way of turning my love of words and stories into art. It's safe to say I see a lot of myself in the writing of artists like Navy, Earl, and Mike. Back then, when mama wasn't my, she was a dancer. Caged in, all my father flaws are sitting handsome. On a nigga, I still fidget when I'm feeling ramped up. I was just a bambino with Santi and Milano. Leading do you follow, bleeding till I'm hollow. There is a maturity I wish I had in Song of Sage post-panic. Sage Alesser's words are crafted to visualize the beauty in the scenes he drafts with an evocative, intuitive pen. Sitting around a big wooden table with his family, 
Aunt Jerry's chicken in the pan frying. He grieves over his grandfather and brother, heeds the words of his father, and shows the youngsters in his life how to cherish their brown skin. Aunt Jerry's chicken in the pan frying. All of you, the memories, just gotta find them. Dark clouds just trying to see a gold lining. It wasn't long that the sun wasn't shining. Song of Sage Post Panic is an illuminating tapestry of meditations on self-harm, colonization and ancestral weight, gentrification, anxiety attacks, the grief we all carry throughout our lives, and the ties that bind Black people together. El Cesar writes elegantly about new neighbors calling the cops on him, karma from a past life coming home to roost, cannabis flower as an antidepressant and trying to kick the habit, NFL greats from the late 90s, the period from which he was born, and white people hunting us for sport. Bring that timeline forward about 15 years and add well over 100 pounds worth of indie rock records, and you basically have my Tumblr timeline circa 2009 to 2012. Life made me a better person, traveled the road determined, had the nerve to burn the burdens, uh. I couldn't hold my tongue for certain, turn to gold, I spun my purpose round like Mary Gold. My weary soul is met in person, perfect. Steep and simmer down, my boiling blood is undeserving. I kept a sliver shroud, but now my blessed home. It isn't what I found, it's how I found it all alone. 150 grand, a thousand sessions on the gold, gold. Hi, my name is Albina Cabrera. I'm the Latin content producer at KXP and co-host of El Sonido with DJ Chili every Monday night, 7 to 10 p.m. on KXP. A mí me cuidan mis amigas, no la policía. My friends take care of me, not the police. This is the chorus from the new South American anthem of my life, Marca Peru, by the queer Afro-Peruvian rapper Yana. I believe that her music faces the raw reality of systematic racism that the Black community experiences in Peru and the femicidal territory that we inhabit in Latin America and the entire world. Territory that killed us with the complicity of governments and the police officers. A justice that don't take care of us. I'm not going to avoid the fact that this reality overwhelms me and that the levels of violence that we, women the world over, live in means that the last night I couldn't sleep after learning that another woman was murdered at the hands of the police. In this case, her name was Ursula, and the country where this happened was Argentina. But the names appear hour by hour spread throughout the continent. Then last night, beating my lips with hatred, I listened to Marca Peru over and over again. As a black woman, as an Afro-Peruvian, and as an artist, Yana denounces her personal experiences of discrimination with music in a way that makes you feel like she's telling your story too. She sings with an unforgettable deep voice and she rails again the struggles that some minorities experience every day. Yana only has three songs uploaded to her platforms, Marca Peru, La Vuelta, and Miau. 
There you can hear her musical roots taken from hip hop, reggae, trap, dancehall, and Afro-Peruvian music. With her new EP on the way, I'm hopeful about her open future and the new music she will bring us. Jana's voice is past, present, and future. It's also my musical connection with Maya Mia's right now. I probably studied at a public school. First one in class, didn't want to lose. And I learned English because I couldn't choose. My dad made me listen to Victoria Santa Cruz. Y al fin pude ver un poquito de luz. My mom told me not to listen. Lo que dicen, la gente no se mira la nariz. No, Llorando te pego bien duro para que llores con gusto. La gente no sabe sobre belleza, tú eres hermosa y punto. Ahora créeme cuando te That was Tia Ho, Dusty Henry, Isabel Khalili, Janice Headley, Martin Douglas, and Albina Cabrera. They're reading their essays as part of KEXP's web team's latest in our headphones column. You can check it out at kexp.org. And that was Sound and Vision. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.